1: Welcome into the Bottom Line News Radio 610 one a a Friday afternoon. Our phone number is 547-1610. If you'd like to get involved, you can also reach us via email, 610kona.com, the bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. We're on Twitter at BottomLine610, Facebook at the BottomLine610, and the free mobile app available through the Google Play and the Apple Stores. I'm Rob Francis, sitting in for Ed Dawson today, the esteemed... State Representative from the 8th Legislative District, Matt Bankey. Good afternoon to you, sir. Thanks for coming in today. Appreciate it.
2: Good afternoon, sir. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, we've got a few things that we're going
1: to talk about today. Uh, Quite a few things, in fact, that we're going to talk about today. A couple things that kind of cropped up in the last day or so that we're going to touch on. Um, But... The first thing I want to ask you is... We, many people that follow what goes on in the legislature and in the state knows that, um, you know, we, we're we pretty much doing everything we can on the east side of the state as far as sending elected representation. Okay, we've got one, di- one legislative district in Spokane um, that over the last 12 years has gone blue. Slowly, but it went blue. But outside of that, we we are sending every person we can with an R to Olympia. We know that it is an uphill battle every single legislative session. And it has got to be tough and it's got to be daunting to try and cut through some of the most horrible pieces of legislation over the last couple of years that we have seen at the state level. There was a different approach this time around by the majority party. Last couple of sessions, it's, it, they've kind of teased, but never really gone through with the capital gains, trying to push some of these other bills. This time around, it seemed like somebody turned around and said, you know what? They can't do anything about it. They can't stop us. Let's just punch them in the mouth and run all this stuff through and see what happens. What happened over the course of the last year or two that changed the dynamic in the majority party to where they didn't feel the fear of any kind of blowback?
2: Uh, It's a great point because I think um, when you saw it across the nation and even across our state, uh, a lot of the impacts at the national level, but when you see Chop Chaz, you see the uprising in the streets, let's just call it the way it is. uh, And a lot of people were emboldened with that additional power of, all right, we need to start pushing this through. Well, they've had the idea for several years. You know that following along. Um, When it came down to changing out of the guard, a lot of people said, well, the numbers really didn't change. You know, it's still the same number of Democrats to Republicans that was in the previous session. Well, what changed with the individuals that were in those previous seats. What we saw was a dramatic increase to further left of the agendas that individuals who were, I would say, more moderate, on the D sides that were in those seats that we worked with, maybe even in the the different committees that were being run, were more moderate. They had a kind of a sense, all right, we need to understand and work together, a lot of bipartisan support kind of helping out. We know how extreme, and even from the leadership side, where Frank Chop was, you know, kind of his style was his style. People knew it, and you knew it for the last 20 years because that's the way he ran it. Well, this new leadership came in with the new changing of the guard, I believe, started adding to what we saw at the state and national level, and that uprising kind of power came to fruition. And I think a lot of the different parts of their caucus came together and said, all right, we're going for it. And it's not just piecemeal. This was full speed ahead. Let's put the pedal to the metal. And you saw that.
1: It was almost like last session was training wheels to get the new leadership accustomed to how things were going, and this was full speed ahead. Now, depending on what story you read, or which version of the tale you want to believe—that was a forced change. It wasn't a—it wasn't a passing of the torch. It was a taking of the torch and shoving it in another direction while it was still lit. Yep. Um. So there was a there there was a I guess a a. Correct me if I'm wrong. The governor became impatient with the lack of action on the things that he wanted done in the legislature and decided he was going to involve himself.
2: Yes, well, and and don't forget, he's still trying to promote himself to the national level. He ran for president, he failed miserably. Oh. He still wants <laughs> to get promoted, like his agency leads and how well they do. When you fell across the board, lose six hundred sixty million dollars, and then all of a sudden that means you get promoted, and then he failed across the board on his environmental studies that he ran on as president, and then he starts going back to the well and says, well, "I don't want to do it this way. Let's." Put all the chips on the table. This is my third realm. I got this endorsement from the voters in November, and we're going to do it.
1: I, can you really call it an endorsement from the no. voters? I, no, I was going to say, I mean, when you, when you, we, yeah, it was it was not. I mean, it was the worst showing by a Republican candidate in 16 years. Right. So I I still firmly believe that the Democrats saw five Republicans pick the one they thought they would have the easiest chance of beating. Uh, Hence, that's how it worked out. Um, I think if Josh Freed, Phil Fortunato, even Raul Garcia um, would have gotten that nomination, it would have been a much closer race. And I think there would have been center-left individuals that may have voted for them and not Governor Inslee. But we did not get that. And so we saw uh, what played out uh, in the state race for governor. but. As we as we look at how this is moving, you know, people forget there are outlying counties on the west side. It is not while while we 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 have this impression that it is Seattle that is dictating the politics and the policies and that King County is controlling the pulse of Washington state. There are outlying counties that can actually make a difference if they choose to change in that leadership. We know the governor has involved himself in the last two election cycles, very much so, to the degree that it was very public in Senator Mullet's race, and Senator Mullet became an ally of the minority party in this past session because of the governor's interference in his race. It seems the governor has what he wants right now, as far as the makeup in the legislature. It is going to be a daunting task, and it's going to take a lot of work for Republicans to swing some of those seats, even at least getting them back to purple from blue. But yet on this side of the state, we don't feel that confidence. We don't, we don't see that there is a—we f- read a lot, a lot of great press releases, but there doesn't seem to be an urgency with the state party, with the state Republican Party, to change the course that we are on, because if there was, there wouldn't be losses in every election since the current chairman took over. Right. There have been losses in the legislature. That's not supposed to work that way. You're supposed to have a strategy and have a plan to make things competitive and keep things narrow instead of getting your... Derriere handed to you election after election and losing seats on a regular basis. So you can opine on this if you wish. What is it going to take to change the course and change the direction? Because I'm sure you hear it from frustrated lawmakers on the West side. We need more representation on this side of the Cascades.
2: And that's a great question. I think that's the number one question I get every day when people ask me from rotary meetings to in the streets at the gym Other people around the community say, what can I do to make a difference? How can I help? And they want to. And we try to get more and more involved. And I think now more than ever, people have been jumping in. We saw it last year with the record account of people who are engaged in the voting process across the board. Uh, And and then it's how do we make it a voice in eastern Washington over into that development of we always say that it's King County that runs the state. And how do we impact that one? Uh, I believe, yeah, we, we need leadership that steps up. The old adage of, you know, what's the definition of insanity? We keep going back to the well with the same strategy over and over. In the military, you can't. You have to have those contingency operations, look at that, come back and say what went wrong, accurately assess and say, all right, we need to fix this. And whether it's personnel, resources, manpower, we need to think about strategy. We need to think about quality candidates. You mentioned several in the governor's race that were high-quality people. I think it trickles down to every individual who I believe have been forgotten, they're the ones who go out and they uh, work nine to five jobs, try to go to soccer, come back to piano, get their kids to bed for 11 o'clock at night. And we've all been there. You're just exhausted. And then you ask them to step up and say, hey, can you help this candidate? Can you reach out and make a couple phone calls? They're too tired. they are been drained. And those are the people who have been forgotten. So while they've been forgotten, kind of asleep at the wheel, other peoples with different intentions who – work for non-profits, not that they're all bad or other things. They have the time. They Mm -hmm. got the effort and they're driving this agenda and this is how we start going in this direction. How we stop that, we got to stay engaged. We got to get that leadership back and we got to showcase a strategy that will win seats.
1: You know, one of the things it seems most people that I know that identify as to the right of center, most of them just want to live their life. They want to be able to enjoy their freedom. They want to be able to move around as they please, do what they please, pursue the career they want to pursue, raise a family the way they want to, be able to go to the park if they want, go to a ball game, do you know, do whatever they want to do, as long as they're not impeding or imposing on someone else's life. The other side wants to be able to tell you when you can go to that ball game, when you can go to the park what career you should have, what your kids should learn in school, and that they should control that. Those, it it strikes me how different the animation and the engagement is between the group that wants to tell you what to do and the group that just wants to live their life. Many times, as you go along and you just want to live your life, you don't see how much of that is being taken away from you and how many options you continue to lose until it's too late. And we're at the point in Washington state where we are perilously getting ready to cross that bridge into the ability to make the decision for ourselves and the decisions being made for
2: us. I agree 100%. That's the part of being vigilant. That's the part of staying engaged. That's the part of, you can't rest on the laurels. And it seems in history, you look back, And there's every 10, 20 years, there's something that occurs that wakes people up, that galvanizes people toward a common goal, a common vision, that stands up and says, we've had enough. And from what I've heard talking in the streets around the Tri-Cities and even around King County and others, people are fed up. They're tired. And we speak about some people say it's got to get worse before it gets better. I hate to say that it's heading that direction, but I think we're already here and when you talk to moms and dads, you talk to families, you talk to small businesses in our community who have been hit hard more than ever, they didn't think they would last this long. We thought two weeks, flatten the curve. Wasn't that the original goal? I think we've forgotten that.
1: I think it was a year, two months, and two weeks ago yeah. to, the, to flatten yeah. the curve. I agree. Somewhere along those lines. We're going to take our first time out here line. on the bottom line. It's your voice. News Radio your 610 show. KONA. Representative Matt Banky hanging out with me for however long he wants to stick around. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk session. We're going to talk a number of things, uh, and we're also going to talk about this this interesting new revelation that's found its way down the pike that involves liquor control board. And apparently, um, the rumor I've heard is some some business owners. Um, liquor control liquor cannabis board, they got their underwear in a wad and they're a little upset and well now they're trying to find a way to take it out on everybody, so we'll chat about that in a little bit and you're not gonna like what you're not gonna like it at all because this is exactly some of the things that that, that people ignored in the thirties.
0: The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser.
1: Bottom line is ready Radio 610 K1A. Happy Friday. Perfection Tire, four locations here in the Tri-Cities. First one, by the way, opened up 59 years ago. Columbia Center Boulevard, still there to this day, still in that same store that was open 59 years ago. Swing by. You want to talk about customer service, taking care of the community? Perfection Tire does it better than anybody else at every one of their locations. They've got a huge selection of tires. You can view that on their website, PerfectionTire.com, as well as all the services that they provide from the tires all the way up to the top of your vehicle. Perfection Tire will keep you on the road. Stop by and see them today and trust your vehicle, your safety, to Perfection Tire. Five four seven one six ten. if you want to get involved. Rob Francis along with Representative Matt Banky from the 8th Legislative District, the mighty 8th as you've so hashtagged it. Um, try to pull the curtain back just a little bit if we can. Um for those that aren't aware, I mean we 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 talk to representatives from the from the House and the Senate every week during session. We get about 15 20 minutes. We ask a few questions about what's going on and that's about it. Take us through a day. Take take us through an average day in the House for a member of the Republican caucus.
2: A uh, ranking member or just just, just a what, Yeah, what's, yeah.
1: A, what's a day? Because we don't, we, I mean, sure. we we, sure. we see the press releases. We read what's going on. We get to talk to you guys, you know, once or twice a week. But as far as, as from the time that you start moving to the time you stop moving, what is an average day for a member of the minority party in the state legislature?
2: So I, I kind of smile, and you can't see it because I, I jokingly, I, the def- definition of an average day kind of I, I laugh <laughs> at. It. Being a military guy, that's kind of like the next day is your average day, or the last day was, you know, your easiest day because the next day is always going to be harder. Um, an average day, well, at least I'll give you a couple examples. Um, I'm usually up 5, 5.30, I had to go for a run because I know the rest of the day is going to get crazy. So uh, in order to keep some kind of semblance of reality and check myself and a quality of life, you know, to keep my mind functioning, ready to go for the day. I always try to get out and go run with the dog. Uh, But usually we have pre-meetings starting about 7, 7.30, Uh, 8 o'clock. He starts committee meetings that can go from two to four hours, depending on which committees you're on. If you're a ranking member on there, that's why I ask of ranking. Then you have a follow-up meeting or a pre-meeting to that. So you can set agendas for the week or the next two weeks and then meet with staffers, Not only with the OPR staff, the uh, program research analysis team, that kind of is our nonpartisan group of what bills are coming through, Mm -hmm. but also meet with your own staff. So then we can start developing strategy and then... We have meetings throughout that you can set aside for your committee side. So when the Democrats meet, we caucus in the Republican side as well. We can develop which ones we want to start focusing on, what amendments we're thinking and working strategies for, what are some of the ideas that the Senate has been doing in the past, Bring up some historical documents. If we get new members on board, get them educated, informed of, <clears throat> of what's going on in this committee and what kind of the trends to walk out for. And then as it moves through session, the days change a little bit because then we go on the floor to start prepping for floor votes and, and different things that come out of committee, come onto the floor, and then we can vote those out. Now, appropriations, budget, finance, some of those are a little different because they're just focusing on what are the budget side of it, what is the impact of the budget, whether then you roll in taxes. We had a lot of capital gains or even the environment one. Uh, that takes it up a notch. I tell people it plays that to the soccer field, another level, because now you're looking at different impacting between multiple different bills of how we're going to pay for one thing to then match the other to coordinate, but also still keep it legal, which, of course, should be a no brainer kind of thing. But you always got to have that context to make sure it follows the RCWs and ensures that we're following the balanced budget act and the proclamations of what we believe of being a constitutional government to make sure we're balancing budgets. We're making sure it's less impact that we can and then focus on those priorities.
1: Now, of course, over the course of session, you're you're doing that. You're also meeting with constituents. You're meeting with local lawmakers, be it, you know, city council commissioners you name it. I mean, K. I, I'm sure irrigation district. You right. you you have conversations with PUDs. With I mean, K, port, this year especially yeah, with COVID, all that. And not to Verses. mention, of course, there's that little wind farm thing that people have probably been bending your ear on a touch. And we've uh, we're going to wait and see what happens as it's a result cool. of that. But I, I I think that the I think the FSEC hearing. I think good things happened in that, and maybe yep. we can cross our fingers and hope that they do some offshore windmills over on Puget Sound. Maybe it'll blow the raw sewage away from the Orcas. Yep. The, the 58 million gallons a year they dump in the Puget Sound, but blame the Snake River Dams for the for the lack of
2: And And to salmon. add to that, one thing as leaders helping out your fellow members with their bills, the legislation they're trying to pass, and all that.
1: Back with more Bottom Line News Radio 610-KONA after this.
0: Can't get in by phone. Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom line's page at 610KONA.com. Back to the bottom line with Rob and Ed. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA.
1: Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 at KONA. The number's 547-1610. If you want to get involved, CBD American Shaman across from the Great Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick now through Mother's Day. off any purchase, $100 or more at CBD American Shamans. you can pick something up for yourself, pick something up for mom, pick something up for a friend. You can even pick something up for your pets. Yeah, they have CBD for your pets as well. It's 100% all-natural CBD with a 100% 30-day money-back guarantee. CBD American Shaman, across from the Great Elevator, Clearwater, and Kennew. We can tune in tomorrow morning at 930 for the CBD American Shaman show. Right here on News Radio six ten K O N A. Rob Francis joined by Representative Matt Banky from the Eighth Legislative District. And Representative Banky, we're gonna we're gonna chat now about something that many in our audience are not going to like. Uh, and and I expect that we'll be joined by another elected official here shortly to talk about this as well. Um... So this was brought to my attention a little bit earlier today by Pasco City councilman Pete Serrano, and uh, we had a chat about it, and uh, it worked out perfect timing since I knew you were coming in today, so that he, you uh, and he had a discussion about this as well. And it has to do with the liquor cannabis board attempting to increase its authority in Washington State. And by looking at this and looking at these memorandums. The impression that I get is that they want to have the sim they want to have similar authority as to what state patrol yields that they can be a an enforcement agency to a degree that you will that businesses will lose the protections that they currently have when it comes to lcB coming to their door, and they will be able to enforce just about anything they want. And now we're not talking about existing rules. We're not talking about, okay, well, you you know, you you uh overserved somebody or yep, you served them you served a minor, we're coming in, we're taking a license. we're not talking about that. We're talking about them being able to institute mask mandates. We're talking about them being able to institute things that are part of the governor's proclamations, but they don't need the governor to be able to do it anymore. It would make, for example, the mass mandate a permanent tool in their toolbox.
2: That's exactly right. They've taken the power of an elected position and brought it to an agency at the local level, can use it without any sideboards, without any transparency, and then it's a one-on-one, and they can arbitrarily do it without a warrant. Uh, and to your point, yeah, and the law enforcement uh, duties and responsibilities and have that power to do that.
1: I mean, th- this is th- this is unchecked authority right there exactly. is there there is no oversight all right well or well, let me ask you this i don't want to say that directly but is who has oversight of the liquor cannabis board
2: right now it should go through a process where it gets to the state legislature we discuss it we discuss the bills the changes laws to enforce what we're doing across the state that's how we've had the marijuana laws that's where we had other that we can come down it goes through our committee our committees uh, are set up. I know uh, Representative, um, just lost her name, uh, a good friend of mine from the 25th, Representative Chambers. Uh, she's in charge of the ranking member on the Republican side. It's been handling any kind of issues that come out this year's multiple different things of growing, a different legislation with the GMA, different products that are coming out, uh, as well as what you're talking about the enforcement into restaurants, small businesses that have been locked down because of mass mandates. And now this is what should be the oversight there. But
1: there, but but who oversees them right now? Who who gives them their direction? Do they do they have a set of policies under the state constitution, yes. under state law, that gives them the ability to do this? And so by them turning around and trying to take these RCWs and these WACs that are in place, they're trying to re envision some of these to give them the authority to be able to wield a power they were never intended to have.
2: Yeah, and I would say expand, because that expansion of authorities without the voice of the people, without going through a process of oversight or transparent and being accountable back to the people that are saying, no, this is not what we want them to do. They were put in place for a reason to keep an eye on things, to follow the RCWs, and this expansion is totally out of control.
1: Did did you was there any inkling of this before the session ended? No, not at all. So they waited for the session to end, for lawmakers to be out of town, or or the remaining lawmakers that were in Olympia to leave, and then the fencing Fence went with it. Down, amazingly right. enough, imagine just, that just stunning no. how the fencing was down after everybody. But anyway, we digress. They wait for everybody to go for the session to be over, and then it's almost like a title only bill. Right where it's done in the in the dead of night, in darkness, it's stunning to me that something like this that is on agency letterhead. Okay, these both both of these pieces, this memorandum, this CR one hundred one memorandum, and this notice of pre-proposal statement of inquiry, are flying under the radar. Yeah. They are absolutely flying under the radar. I mean, this is asking, this is basically saying, uh, as part of this rulemaking, the WSLCB is considering potentially amending or repealing existing summary license suspension and petition for state provisions and any related provisions in Title 314 WAC and consolidating these provisions into new rule sections applicable to all licensees. The ability to use summary license, suspension, to petition for state provisions to enforce governor's proclamations will support efforts to preserve public health and safety. The WSLCB encourages your feedback and comments on the subject of this rulemaking. Proposed rules are not offered at this point in the process. So we want to do this, but we're not going to put anything out on the table for you to see. We just think this should happen. We should have this power, and then we'll make them up as we go along. Right. Following the initial comment period, the agency will distribute and publish proposed rules. So after the comment period, we'll write the rules. Yeah. You're not going to know what they are before the comment period, so you can comment on them. We're going to do the comment period, make it as generic and bland as vanilla as possible, and then we're going to write the rules that you won't be able to say anything about
2: and then enact them, enforce them, and expand on them. And, yeah, that's codifying what we're seeing right now in the governor's emergency powers, which we proposed multiple times in legislation, bills, and we didn't get one committee hearing. We didn't get one person on the other side to go with us on that.
1: They will hold a public hearing, though, before the rules are adopted. So
2: That's generous.
1: Yeah, it is. They, they listed an email address, or I'm sorry, a website address to go and look at the, at the rulemaking. And encourage everybody to get there, and then right, but here 's the thing okay we we are a media agency yeah okay i didn 't get this email
2: uh, yeah
1: we we didn 't get this email we didn 't see this from liquor and cannabis sports, so who are they making it public to other than Pasco city councilman pete serrano
2: so here's here 's the stock answer when you you push them as a state legislator or even a city council member like pete and, and You know, God love them, because we need more people like out there to stay engaged and see what's going on around us, because it's not just active there. What they do is say, no, all we have to do is meet the requirements, open public meetings, and we posted it on our website. And it's up to you if you happen to see that. Yeah. see that on the website. And it could be four or five pages on that website, not on the cover page. It doesn't have to be on the front page of that site. It could be driven down into different layers and depths of that site anywhere on there.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this, because... As someone who was formerly a member of city council, yep okay, yep. you know that there is a process for public notice and public notification exactly right. that has to be gone through, yep and it and you have to reach the residents of the city, right, well, at the state level, it would make sense that you have to have that same public notice throughout the state, right, not just in King County, not just in Thurston County that you have to have the same public notice in the state for people to be aware of this.
2: And I would say the state representatives, senators, and the governor's office to push that out.
1: So did you see this? No. You you didn't get this email.
2: I got notified by Councilman Serrano. So let me
1: see if I'm following the progression (laughs) of this. A state agency, a state agency, some... Whichever way Councilman Serrano found out, whether he received an email. Right. I don't know. Whether he whether he was tipped off and looked for it himself, however it was, contacts you, contacts me. A Pasco City Councilman lets us know before a state agency?
2: Yeah. That's not the way it's supposed to work.
1: No, it's not supposed to well you read this and you look at it and you go, No wonder they don't want anybody to know. Exactly. Because this is lining up to be An expansion of powers that was never meant to occur in an agency like this. Right.
2: Or any agency across the state.
1: And this will impact every establishment that sells alcohol, every establishment that sells marijuana, Yep. which there are, last check, somewhere around 5,000 in the state of Washington. No, actually more, because there's more now. There's, There's significantly more now. So... They will have the ability to walk in the door and say, This is the law and you have to let us in and there's nothing you can do about it because if you even look at it sideways, you see that precious license you have hanging on the wall? Yeah. It's ours.
2: And they just rip it up in front of you.
1: No process, no anything. They're just gonna walk in and they're gonna they're they're going to be like the uh the hit squad. Yeah. And just walk in the door and tear up your license.
2: They're going to be another enforcement arm of the government in a time when we're stripping law enforcement rules, rights. We don't like the way law enforcement's going, so we want to push those out. And now we're going to add them to an agency that is not trained in doing this, is not transparent. And they're expanding this to government powers that they don't even want to discuss to limit over a session through due course through the legislative process. Joining us on the line right
1: now is Pasco City Councilman Pete Serrano. Councilman, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, good afternoon.
3: I apologize if it's loud. I'm walking to pick up kids from school, but uh, my ears were burning as you guys were talking. You know, Rob, to your question, I found out because we have a business owner who's directly impacted here in Pasco, who's actually got a violation, who has a hearing on Monday from LCB in front of an administrative law judge. So I, as a friend of his, was doing research to figure out, okay, how do we argue this case? You know, I don't know if he's, you know, uh, procured counsel or not. Um, but, you know, of personal interest, I said, OK, what are the laws about this? I pop onto the LCB site and I see this rulemaking and I start asking questions. Who knows about this? You know, so I call Joe Schmig. I call Matt Bankey. I call you, you know, media and legislators and not a single person knows. So it's me tripping over my own feet, finding this. And now we're blowing the horn. And It's crazy because we're talking about a month out. They want these comments back.
1: I mean, this was dated April fourteenth. This is dated almost a month ago.
2: In the middle of session.
3: In the middle of session. How
1: does this fly under the radar that nobody? And and, and there are there are people on the west side in the news in, in the news business that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Brandi Cruz know about this?
2: I haven't heard a thing from her.
1: Exactly. That's you know, what I mean. She's
2: usually all over this stuff. Austin Jenkins. Nothing.
1: So this this has crept so far under the radar that media over there that pays attention to what what agencies are trying to do hasn't picked up on this. Have they gone through the proper public notification chain? Because this should have been out here by now.
3: Right. Uh, No question. No question. I mean, it it certainly seems like it's intentionally flown under the radar. But, you know, you also have to recognize, Rob, you read that that, uh, memorandum. And it addresses two times this year they've already passed emergency orders under their own authority. And, you know, and this is where, you know, hopefully Matt can help us next year, next session, where we can kind of creep back some of those emergency authorities, not just of the governor, which we know was unsuccessful, but of these boards who have granted this self-autonomous regulation authority, which is ridiculous.
1: Well, and that's the thing. The understanding that most of us have, the way government and government agencies work, is these agency has oversight. That oversight comes from... The legislature or another agency in the executive branch, I don't know, maybe the auditor's office? That's another one. And here's the thing. The auditor's office doesn't do an audit on ESD until Jay Inslee has already been voted citizen of the year in Nigeria. So they don't even pick. I mean, DOC should have been audited multiple times by now. There are multiple agencies that you could turn around and say, why haven't they been audited? And then it goes to another level. Shouldn't there be an audit done at least biannually on every agency? Yes. I know there's a lot of agencies, and the auditor's office would certainly be earning their paycheck, which is why once every two years seems fair. Right. But why aren't we having constant audits of agencies At the state level, why is it that we have to find out when we lose almost a billion dollars? Why is it that we have to find out when not once but twice we're letting hundreds, if not thousands, of inmates out early because somebody made a boo boo and then you've got the public at risk? Why is it that we continue to find out and hear about these things and we have an agency at the state level? That doesn't do anything. That is the one that is
2: in charge of policing every other agency. It's accountability right there at the agency level. It's friends of the governor who are allowed to run astray when you're in power for so long. You continue to creep out there. And you have one party rule for this long. That individuals should be fed up going, we're not getting what we can for our government.
1: Boy, I'd love to see the Christmas gifts friends of the governor get. I bet it's more than a chip every year. Agree. They probably get some fantastic yeah. gifts, friends of the governor. They get big blindfolds. They get things that turn around and hold their neck so that they're staring sideways and well, they can't see what's happening in front of them. saw the one get promoted. Yeah, that's right. You know, Sus- so Sus- Susie Levine gets a safe. job with Biden so that she can do numbers on the federal. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, almost a billion dollars down. Here you go. We're not going to fire you. We're going to give you a job at the federal level. That's it. Because you should be overseeing cash dispersion.
2: Yeah, because you did so well this last time. You've proven That's
1: right. You you have proven that you will
2: turn your head
1: and you will allow us to do whatever it is that we want to do. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your participation. Here's your parting gift. It's a job in the Biden administration. Thank you very much. We're going to take our quick time out. Final one here in the 3 o'clock hour. Thanks to Councilman Pete Serrano for joining us chat a little bit about this. It just, every time you turn around, there's something else that they are trying to do to assert more authority on their end and remove your ability to function and operate as a private citizen, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. It's almost like they want everybody to have a government job, you know?
0: Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509 547
1: 1610. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Not much time left in hour number one. Rob Francis joined by 8th Legislative District Representative Matt Banky. Jason Hogage with American Family Insurance. If you're not happy with the policies, if you're not sure what changes are coming with Mike Cradler's emergency rule, well, you can contact Jason. He'll help talk you through it. He'll help let you know what's coming, what changes could be there, and what American Family Insurance might be able to do that your current insurance company can't. Contact Jason through his website jasonhoag. dot com. Talk about your auto, your homeowners, your life, small business, or farm insurance where they started almost a hundred years ago. Jason Hoag with American Family Insurance. Set up a meeting today through his website jasonhoag. dot com. So we've got a we've got a lot of things that we're going to touch on, nonetheless, uh, very shortly. But on the flip side, there have been a few states that have passed. Uh, Particular legislation dealing with a a certain controversial topic. The president has said that his Department of Justice is going to go after these states because I guess they don't have anything better to do like, I don't know, the border. Not at all. Maybe investigating human trafficking. Nah, there's no time for that. No, we're going to go after this instead. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the impact that it has on something that the left fought very hard to implement decades ago. And now it seems they are dead set on destroying that very same piece of legislation decades later. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Back after this.